Happy New Year! Get rid of this. My name's Thomas. My name's Thomas. For those of you that don't know me, I, I'm the... Yeah, I got, I got one cheer. I'm getting a cheer for saying my name. This is incredible. Um, so myself and my wife, Mary, who's somewhere where we lead Inverness Vineyard Church. It's so great to have you here uh, this morning. And yeah, 2020. 2020. So we are about to, as a church, there's two, two kind of sermon and teaching series we're going to be doing this term. Uh, a bunch of us are going to be journeying through heroes of the faith. So we're going to be looking at men and women in the Bible that inspire our faith, that stir our faith, that, uh, that, that lead us to Jesus, to be more like Jesus. And then we're going to do a little mini-series for four weeks on prayer. So uh, we'll be kicking those off next week. But I, I, with the first Sunday of the new year, I felt, I felt God speak to me clearly to, to keep it simple and to speak about Jesus. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. We're going to speak about Jesus. And I, I want to tell you a little bit of the backdrop to, to get into this point for this morning's message. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I limped to the festive period. <laughs> I was like, like crawling my way to a holiday uh, come the end of December. It sometimes feels like that, doesn't it? And I was away in November at a vineyard area leaders gathering. Uh, so to give you a bit of context, two days a week I, I work for Inverness Vineyard Church, and then the other two days I help with church planting around Scotland. So uh, the church that we were sent from have this crazy vision uh, to plant 21 churches across Scotland. And we've, we've managed, I think there's about six that have been planted in the last two, two and a half years. And part of my role with the other two days is to mentor those guys, to go ahead of them, because uh, I've been ahead of them in planting, which is hilarious given that we're only two years into it, to mentor them and tell them, uh, but basically tell them all the mistakes that we made and the forms that we forgot to fill out and uh, just to help them. So uh, part of my role is to do that. So once a year, they gather all the leaders across the movement. And the guest speaker that was speaking uh, one of the mornings, he recounted a story that was read in a book called Blue Like Jazz. Uh, a few of you might have read it by, I uh, can't remember, is it Donald Miller? Is that his name? I can't remember the guy's name. But uh, he recalls a friend of his, this is in the book, Alan, who was researching successful churches and interviewing big church leaders. And he visited a man called Bill Bright. Now, Bill Bright was one of the most influential Christian leaders in the 20th century. He was the founder of Campus Crusade, which has 25,000 missionaries in 200 countries. That's quite a, quite a size. And Alan was shown to a grand office and sat there behind a big desk. And there was a big man, full of life, who listened attentively and engaged with the interview. The final question was put to him, what does Jesus mean to you? And Bill Bright just started to weep. He just started to cry. This big man sat in his big chair behind his big desk was weeping uncontrollably. And Donald Miller, oh, that was his name, I got it right, he comments this, he says, when Alan told me the story, I wondered what it was like to love Jesus that way to cry at the very mention of his name. And I knew then I would like to know Jesus like that. Inverness Vineyard Church, 
let's never lose the wonder of Jesus. You might be sitting here this morning having never discovered the wonder. You might be sitting here this morning losing the wonder. You might be sitting here this morning having lost the wonder. I pray that 2020 is a, a, catalytic, a catalytic year pray that this morning is a significant morning for each of us. Can we pray before we open God's Word? Somebody's cutting onions. <laughs> Lord, we love you. We love you. This is all about you. This is all for you. And we love our city. We love the highlands. We love this nation. And we pray as we read a few verses in your word, you reveal yourself to us. And that we will leave here more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're looking at a couple of verses in John 10. I don't know if we got the, the Bibles out. Mary, could you, my wonderful wife, Mary, let's give her a little cheer. Could you dish out some Bibles? If you don't have a Bible with you, put up your hand and we'll get a Bible out to you. And uh, if you don't have one at home, please take it as a gift from us. We'd love you to have a Bible at home. So we're in John 10, just a couple of verses in John 10 I want to look at uh, this morning. So we've seen Jesus, just to give you a bit of context beforehand, he has healed a blind man and he's in his public ministry uh, on earth and he's seeing amazing things happen, but also attention with uh, some opposition as well. We still have a hand up, my dear. Have we ran? There's maybe one over at the welcome desk. Yeah. There we go. So, uh, amazing things are happening, but also there's opposition as well. And at the beginning of chapter 10, we have Jesus describing himself as the shepherd, a good shepherd, who if we trust and believe in him, he looks upon us as his flock. And shepherd is just a number of names uh, for Jesus throughout the book of John, we also have the Son of Man, the Bread of Life, the Light of the World, and Shepherd, all used to reflect the qualities of Jesus, the hope, the power, the safety, everything who he is. And we're going to pick up in verse 22, and uh, yeah, let's do that. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered round him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you did not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works in the Father. For, for which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Amen. So we see Jesus in this situation, in this interaction with a group of people, and this time it's the Jews who are pretty much really stressing him 
and following him about to say, for him to say he was the Messiah. And uh, basically wanting Jesus to tell them plainly and up front, instead of all this miracle stuff, instead of all this amazing stuff, just tell us who you are. And for these people, it wasn't so they, as a response, could then go and follow them. It's not a case of once I hear him say it, I'm on board. It's so they could try and catch him out, just like the Pharisees had uh, journeyed and tried to do that as well. Hello. And in between the beginning of this encounter and the end uh, of this encounter, when the Jews were picking up stones to try and stone him, we see a clear description. Commentators have, uh, who have studied this passage say there are supreme privileges if we have a relationship with Jesus this morning. And I want to look at some of these amazing and life-changing promises that are given to us if we have Jesus in our hearts and to remind us this morning that Jesus is amazing. I don't say it enough. We don't say it enough. Jesus is amazing. I want this morning to be a reminder, a refreshing, a refocusing, a kick in the right direction, a spark, a shake, a wake-up call, a realigning, a reality check, a first-time encounter of who Jesus is. And I'm sure they are guaranteed to be areas in our lives that are tired, that we've given up on, that we have been drowned, that have been drowned out because we've let the world take over. I want to suggest this morning it's time for Jesus. It's time for Jesus to take control. It's time for Jesus to have those areas in his hands. And a life lived for Jesus isn't easy. It's blooming difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to follow Jesus. And that's not because Jesus is difficult, but because of what the enemy brings in front of us to clash with our relationship with him and distract us. Francis Chan says this, the irony is that while God doesn't need us but still wants us, we desperately need God but don't really want him most of the time. I personally, I'm genuinely starting 2020 pursuing and wanting Jesus more than I have perhaps in the last 10 years. So I want, to, I want to look at three areas. Firstly, I want to look at relationship. I want to look at relationship. In verse 27, it says, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them. So uh, previous to that, earlier in the chapter, the whole chapter pretty much is around the good shepherd and the sheep. This analogy that his sheep, his followers listen to him and he knows them. There's a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And if you think about shepherd and sheep, when the shepherd speaks, the sheep listen. There's no other. That's the voice. That's the voice that they respond to. Uh, my dad is from a place called Brora. Brora. You got to get the R's. Brora. Uh, and I used to spend loads of summer holidays up in Brora. Beautiful part of the world for those uh, that know it. And uh, there was a little nine-hole golf course down uh, from where my granny used to stay in Murray Terrace. And the nine-hole golf course was free to play. But uh, it did have a couple of quirky things about it, being that there was sheep everywhere all over this golf course. And Chris Evans once played on this golf course. I, I can't remember the show that he had. Uh, Don't Forget Your Toothbrush, I think it was called. But he'd done a tour around uh, golf courses in Scotland, and he played at this little nine-hole golf course. Anyway, that has nothing to do with what I want to say. But uh, I remember all these sheep and uh, being on this golf course. 
and playing golf with my dad. We used to go down after dinner every night in the summer holidays. And this man would come along in a tractor and he'd just get off the tractor and he'd just shout or, uh, yeah, he'd just shout. And all of a sudden the sheep's heads would just, and they would just scarper. They would just scarper. They would just run right away to the other side of this golf course slash field slash their home and, and head over right away right away. Once the shepherd shouted, they came chasing across a unique relationship. And it's the same with Jesus. There's a unique relationship. He is the most important. He sees you this morning. Like the shepherd knows what's best for his sheep. Like the shepherd knows the best route. Like the shepherd knows the characteristics and habits of each sheep. What makes them tick? So Jesus knows that for every one of us this morning. Wow. He knows you and he knows me. He knows exactly what we're thinking. He knows exactly our dreams. He knows exactly our disappointments. He is always for us. He is always with us. He says in this, it says in this passage, I know them. Not, I know of them. I know them. I know them. Me and uh, my wonderful wife, Mary, we first started going out in 2006. And uh, one of the first gifts I ever bought her, this is a total mistake, was a bunch of flowers, which happened to be artificial flowers. <laughs> Honestly, I thought they were real. And she just looked at me like, what on earth are these? You can keep them now. <laughs> but she would be, back in 2006, and she would be the only person I wanted to see she would be the only person I wanted to speak to, the only person I wanted to spend time with. I remember our first date to the cinema. I forgot the clocks had changed. I think it was in March time, and I forgot to change my watch. So we, the film that I'd set up for us to see, a lovely rom-com, you know, just what she would have loved to have watched. She picked it, and we got there, and we were an hour late because I forgot to change the time on my watch. So we ended up watching this action thriller movie. I think it was called Inside Man, about a job at a bank. And uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't what it was meant to be, was it? But anyway, that meant we missed our bus. And we had to walk from the cinema, if you know where the cinema is in Inverness, all the way along back into town. And then I think your dad, or we got another, we got a bus uh, from town. We got to sp I got to spend time with her on that walk and I was excited and I still remember that moment so vividly. And I remember uh, the time also when Mary said, we're going to go a hill walk. We're going to go a bit of a walk. And I went to TK Maxx as any person who doesn't have what they needed for a hill walk. TK Maxx has everything, doesn't it? And I, I bought like a 40 liter, I mean, I mean the bag was about from the ground to here, but this height for a three hour walk. And I had like two things in it. I had like some sandwiches and a bottle of water. So I rocked up to my this huge bag. She's like, what on earth are you doing? What on earth are you doing? I looked a bit of a wally with my Swiss Army knife and my flare and my six-man tent. But the BBs taught me, be prepared. You know, in amongst all that silliness of those early days, I wanted to know what made her tick. I wanted to know what she liked, what she didn't like, so I could make her happy. That was my mission. We got to know each other and now we're married. I share my dreams with her. I trust her enough to share my frustrations and my struggles. We laugh together. We cry together. And she does likewise. And it wouldn't work otherwise. With Jesus, he knows everything about us already. But when you can choose to tell him everything that is deep within you, you can lay it down in front of him. Then we see him clearer. Perhaps as a few of us this morning, we're just not seeing Jesus as clear as we used to. 
In our weakness, He is strong. When you speak to Him regularly and share your day with Him, then we see Him clearly. When you read His Word regularly, a lamp to our feet, living and relevant to today, verses begin to have more meaning, and we see Jesus moving in our lives more clearly, and we understand His love for us more. When we have decisions, perhaps, in our day-to-day that shape our integrity and pride and heart conditions. Maybe trust is difficult this morning for a few of us because being let down is a regular part of our lives for family members or people at work or friends, not fulfilling promises. Maybe you're sitting here this morning just really weary or maybe you've been a Christian for years and just recently you found it difficult to open up to God about certain struggles. Jesus never turns away anyone who seeks him. He never gives up. He gave his life for you and for me. That is the gospel. He died so that we may live. Maybe we just need to hear that afresh this morning. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He isn't going anywhere. He won't let us down. He is amazing. He is for you. And in fact, he is praying for you right now. Wow. Robert Chain, who is a 19th century minister in Scotland, says, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet the distance makes no difference. He is praying. He is praying. So we have relationship. We also have transformation. Throughout this book of John and and this passage, again, we're seeing opposition to Jesus. And part of the reason is that the way of living For certain groups of people, loads of things would have to change if Jesus really was who he was and who he claimed to be. When we are in true relationship with Jesus, things change. We don't have Jesus with us in person, but we have his spirit in us, and he changes us by his spirit. But only if we let him in, only if we give him permission. Augustine wrote some really special words that I just want to share. Oh, Holy Spirit, descend plentifully into my heart. Enlighten the dark corners of this neglected dwelling and scatter there thy cheerful beams. What beautiful words. What beautiful words. Through this relationship, we see the way we live, the way we think, the way we act, the things that we have become. We see transformation. Things surprise us. We become new creations. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we are a new creation. And for me, it wasn't that one morning I woke and I was Christian 2.0. You know, I I knew exactly what to do and how my life was transformed completely, not by any stretch of the imagination. And it's still a constant watchful eye, as all of us will know, an occasional battle with words, with thoughts, with integrity. But I can see firsthand the changes perhaps little acts of integrity that I wouldn't have seen as a big deal now, I know they're wrong. Leaving that little TV license letter, you know, oh, if you, if you wait till the guy comes to the door, just show him the letter and say you're going to fill it out. You know, don't pay for it just now. That's what I used to do as a student. Or my 18 to 25 rail card, which was a lot of years ago. Um, I used to change the year of expiry <laughs> and rub out and, and change it. So I'd, I got about three years of my 18 to 25 rail card. I really should email ScotRail, shouldn't I, for that? (laughs) Just little decisions of integrity. 
And I can see a heart for what breaks God's. Uh, especially when I'm watching things on TV. A prime example, last week I was watching a show on Billy Connolly's life. And uh, I was crying at Billy Connolly walking with one of his friends. That he's, he's pretty ill now. And he was walking with a friend that he uh, spent time with since he was 20. When he used to play the banjo, I think, and, and sing songs and stuff. But, and they were just recounting about how when they used to have phone calls when they were in different parts of Scotland, they would purposely lie on the floor, like on their backs, because they knew from phoning each other they would be in stitches and laughing and sharing stories. So they would start the phone call by just lying on their, on the back, on their backs because they knew uh, that they'd be laughing and they'd just have a really great phone call catching up. And I was like crying at that. Why am I crying at that? These men in their 80s just seeing that sweet friendship still being maintained. And also the school drop-off. This is a bit strange. But the school, I have a little boy, five years old, in primary one called Joshua. And uh, I just have moments when I'm dropping him off at school. And someone, you know, this is my son who I am well pleased, you know, seeing him lining up. And then I give him a thumbs up and he turns around and he gives me a thumbs up back. And I'm like, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You know, just have a moment of tearing up randomly on a Tuesday morning, dropping him off to school, going, I, I love you. I love you, Joshua. I want the best for you, son. And then in those moments, I have moments thinking, there is my son who I'm well pleased. God, you know, if I think, and the picture I had was just like a grain of sand. If you think of what I have for Joshua, is a grain of sand when I say, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Think of what Jesus, think of his love for us when he says those words. I am well pleased. I love you. So I'm in the school playground and I'm going, oh, Joshua, I hope you're okay. But I'm also thinking, oh, Jesus. Ah. So not only do I get to share this love with my son, but Jesus loves me. But actually the levels are completely different. What a great reminder. What a great reminder of God's love. That he would care so much for me. And I also see a hunger for folk to know Jesus in Inverness. That I, and I say it time and time again, guys, this isn't it. This isn't it, what we have right now. Although this is great, although this is exciting, it's never to be cozy, it's never to be confined, it's never to be comfortable. It's to be risk-taking, it's to be exciting, it's to be messy. I wonder when we come to church, when we gather, or when we, in the morning, do we say, God, what are you going to do this morning? What are you going to do today? What are you going to do this week? When, I come to, when we come together to worship, when we have all these people who know what I know and who love who I love and believe what I believe, what are you going to do? This should, be, this should be fun. What are you going to do? An expectation for him to move. So I see my heart changing and a number in our church family changing. It's wonderful. But to journey that adventure, we must let him in. And the word that caught me when I was preparing this was Yield just that word yield. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have we look into this word yield. Mary and Joseph yielded themselves to God when Mary was to give birth to Jesus. Yield means to present ourselves to God as his servants, his property, wholly consecrated to him. It's a surrender moment. It's a surrender moment. And we reflect how Jesus lived his characteristics and love, patience, kindness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, his power, his presence. We show love when it isn't deserved. We forgive when previously we wouldn't. We practice self-control in areas of temptation. We model kindness in our giving of time, money, and energy. 
So our lifestyle becomes new in light of who Jesus is and having faith in him. C.S. Lewis, I love reading C.S. Lewis. If you've never read C.S. Lewis, read C.S. Lewis. Loads of great books. He says this, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must get in the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning and you want that. Maybe life's rubbish right now and you're in a rut. Maybe you've believed this stuff for years, but you've never encountered that transformation. Don't leave here today without prayer, without offering yourself to Jesus, without surrendering to Him, without yielding, without presenting yourself before God. This new year, this new decade, 2020, if we want these things, we need to be in relationship. We need to stand near the fire. We need to get in the water. We need to take a risk. We need to take a risk. And I, I want to, as a church, just speak against fear. For 2020 to be a year of family in this place, of response, and to be for each other in that as well. Not a case of, I'm not going up for prayer because just people will see me. You know, and they might be thinking, oh, she's up for prayer. I wonder why she went up for prayer. <laughs> Did you see him? He was pretty tearful. He had a few tears. I think I know what that is. Yeah. Let's just, don't go there. Let's just be family. Let's be for one another. Let's look out for one another. And then finally, I just want to speak about security. We see in verse 28, Jesus saying, I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. When I was younger, eternal life freaked me out. It freaked me out. I, I, I was in my bed, like, fearing it for months. I used to pray, I love you, God, but forever sounds like a long time. I can't even spend a few hours with my sister. I love my sister dearly. But when we were growing up, yeah, we had our moments. You know, as I grew up, John 3.16 became such a comfort. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's rooted in love. Love from a God who is love. It's in his very nature. He created it. Who doesn't want us, doesn't want to lose us. Didn't need to help us. He's God. And I now see it as such an exciting prospect and a security to worship the God who saved me from perishing, to be saved, to truly live in this life knowing a purpose and a mission and a reason and knowing a loving Father. In a world that is so fragile right now, politically, financially, culturally, oh, how, how Inverness needs Jesus. Oh, how Inverness and our nation needs security right now. We see the need. Church Jesus is the answer. We are Jesus' people. I uh, 
once I get a gift, and Christmas time is a prime example, once I get a gift, I love to keep it safe. I don't know about you guys. I grew up, whenever I had my Christmas presents, for the first month, I would have them under my bed. So I'd pack them strategically under my bed just to keep them safe. I think having siblings, but also just that fear of losing it. I just put it under, some I'd put under my pillow as well, and just to keep stuff safe and know where it is. And it uh, got a bit difficult when I got married, because uh, putting electric drills under the bed, is a bit weird and slightly sinister, uh, but I wanted to keep gifts safe. And, you know, we have this lovely time together. I'm sure all of us will be coming away from here. Wasn't God in the room where we worship, sing songs to Jesus of, and remind ourselves of how great He is. We receive prayer and we feel recharged. <coughs> then we step out of this building Can I urge us as we start 2020 to increase the security of what we receive in here? Because the reality is we can very easily lose whatever God is doing in here and planted in us by Monday morning at five past nine or by Wednesday night when the kids aren't going to sleep or on Sunday afternoon when we argue on the drive home or the busyness or the laziness or pride. And I, I'm speaking from personal experience. Isn't it funny how quickly the Lord, you know, when we receive from the Lord on Sunday, how quickly the enemy is desperate to attack the minute we step out. How desperate he is to rob us of joy. How desperate he is to take our perspective into a place that we don't need to go. How desperate he is to make something that seems so small seem like a giant and detract us from who God is. And I want to urge just some really practical steps to see that through. If you call Inverness Vineyard Church your place, get to a small group through the week. Have somebody in our church family who is your accountability partner, somebody who asks you questions. Start the first meeting you have and tell them the questions that you don't want to answer. And have somebody who will speak into your life and you'll do likewise for them. And just to spur us on with our daily walk with Jesus, what are we reading, praying, and listening to? How does Jesus factor? Where do we share? Who's in our path? Where are we doing this stuff? Where are we praying for folk? Where are we having words for people? Praying for healing. We can't just be doing it in here. So we see this massive gift of eternal life. Jesus sent so that we don't perish sense so we have this gift of of eternal life with him hope restored but if it, as if that isn't enough we're gifted with his holy spirit and just as we come to close he lives in us and we ask for him to help us because without god we're nothing every week in this service we ask for the holy spirit to come and when we do that all god's spirit wants to do is all good things he wants to fill us up with his presence his fruits, but also to empower us with gifts for out in our cities, in our streets. It's a bit like a little toolbox he gives us to use in our daily lives. And at Vineyard, we are people of the Holy Spirit. We are people who love God's presence. We believe he wants to meet with us today, and he wants to speak to us today, and he wants to minister to us today. So we're going to leave space for his presence to move, for God to do what he wants to do, to speak prophetically into our lives.
to heal physically or mentally or spiritually, to set free chains and weights that have held us captive. We value the work of the Holy Spirit in meeting us exactly where we're at. And, you know, sometimes, and perhaps we'll teach into this later in the year, sometimes that will involve some things happening in the room. People may become overcome and start crying and perhaps shaking. Sometimes there might, you might hear screaming or birthing pains perhaps, or, and that's okay. There's loads of different things that can happen when God meets with someone and fills them up with His Spirit. Differing emotions, peace, perhaps nothing, you know, it's just an overwhelming sense of peace and stillness. And you know, the reality is some of it might be us, but some of it will be God. And some of it will be really significant to our lives. We don't ever need to or want to hype God up. He'll come down and He'll do what He wants to do. We're just going to create spaces where we wait. And we always want to make time for that. And maybe some of us have shied away from that space. I want to just urge us to have a a new sense of His purpose in that. I want to stir and release us into that, uh, to recommission us to be people of His presence and people of the Holy Spirit. John Wimber, one of the founding members of the Vineyard Movement, uh, the movement that we belong to, says everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. And you know, God says that throughout His Word. We only have to look at the people He's used. Everyone gets to play. We have a gospel. Simon Ponsonby says this. I just want to close on this quote. We have a gospel. We have the breathtaking, heart-racing, life-changing, epic story of God who loves us and has come for us. This story of stories presents God in Christ entering the world to rewrite our fractured story, to rescue the drowning, to find the lost, to free the bound, to comfort the broken, to restore the fallen, to enlighten the confused, to create community, to transform society, to recreate creation. Jesus is amazing. Let's never lose the wonder of who he is. Let's stand. Let's stand.